Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we got an hour to play here today. Ruben DeBounce here, Al Borghetti, Rhea Hughes. And uh, here's what we got coming up. We got a hot seat in a few minutes, Al. Who's on a hot seat today? And uh, Jeff Lurie was so alarmed by a comment made by Jerry Jones <laughs> that he sought advice from Jimmy Johnson. Wow. And Ooh. Jimmy Johnson told Jeff Lurie that Jerry Jones is a moron. Mm-hmm. You'll hear that story <laughs> yes. later in the hour. But i got to tell you something. If, if you've ever been in the media and, and had to cover the Super Bowl, you know it's very, almost impossible to get any yeah. real stories. And yet Marcus Hayes went out to Phoenix, Al, and got, to my thinking, the best story so far, the story of what happened after Howie Roseman drafted Jalen Hurts. He is on the line with us from Arizona. Hi, Marcus. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Marcus, I don't know how you did this, but this was a good story you you got. So when Howie Roseman drafted Jalen Hurts, that, in effect, ended Wentz's time here. Can we now say that based on what Howie told you? You know, it was a pretty startling revelation and a, a pretty severe admission of misevaluation of Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz couldn't handle it, and Howie Roseman is admitting that now. He said, uh, the thing is, he basically said, uh, I'm going to read the exact quote, uh, how he told Marcus, the league is a competitive league. If you're worried, if you have players that are worried about competition, look, you have to be really good to start in this league. If you're worried that we're bringing in depth and talent, you're probably not the right guy for at that position. So they didn't know this, though, right, Marcus? When they brought him in, there was no sense that Wentz would react the way he did to Hurts, correct? Absolutely not. And the, 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 how he used the Cam Jurgens draft and the draft of Jordan Davis to back up Jason Kelsey and uh, Fletcher Cox, respectively, as examples. And those are imperfect examples because those are older players who understand that at some point they're going to get replaced, but they're also players on expiring contracts. Now, you have a much greater reason to be offended by their lack of faith in you because of whatever if you're on an expiring contract. Carson not only had just signed a contract extension, he was a year from it going into effect. So he hadn't even played under his new contract. There was no reason for them to worry, you know, unless it's you know Carson. There was really no reason for them to be concerned about drafting a second-round, four-year backup whose contract meshed with Wentz's and who they said on draft night 
Carson Wentz is our guy. There is no competition. This guy is a long-term project quarterback who we're going to use as a gadget guy here and there, but this is just a, a, a cost-effective method for us to back up a position that they had spent $9 million on each year from 2017 to 2019 between Nick Foles and Chase Daniel. So this was not, it was bizarre that Carson was offended the way that like Aaron Rodgers was offended. You know what I mean? This is what's fascinating to me. So Wentz in 17 plays like the MVP in the entire league. And literally two years later, he's insecure when they bring another guy onto the team. So even when he was playing great, he was insecure. Is that a safe assumption? I think he was less insecure when it was Josh McCown behind him at the age of 40 <laughs> yeah. with the hamstrings that would tear with the, with the blowing of the wind, you know? I know, but the, the, here's the thing, Marcus. Um, so Hertz comes yeah, onto the team. We lost you there for a minute. Hertz comes onto oh, the sorry. Hertz comes onto the team, Marcus, and mm-hmm. and Wentz sees right away that he's a rival, that he's a threat. Yeah, it was bizarre because there was really, there's really no reason to be offended or threatened. It's not like they they drafted you know Jordan Love. Or somebody like that, like you know, up in up in the up in uh, Green Bay, and the, I guess the indicator should have been they replaced Nick Foles with a totally non-threatening Josh McCown, who's horrible, right? Yeah. So maybe that maybe if maybe they knew that he was kind of insecure, but I got to tell you, when Jalen Hurts was drafted, people were astound, astounded that he didn't go in the third round. Yep. So yeah. you know. It's, it was just – I don't know that it's his fault. I don't know if it's Howie's fault or anybody else's fault in the organization that they misevaluated Carson Wentz's psyche to that degree. And maybe maybe even Carson Wentz didn't know it, you know? Maybe, maybe Carson Wentz didn't realize that he was that fragile. Well, here's when he realized it. I'm quoting Mr. Al Morgani, a man you respect tremendously, Marcus. Mm-hmm. When he saw that the players on the team – wanted to play more with the backup than with him when he saw that there was a better leader, Jalen Hurts, than he was. Isn't that how it really played out? Well, you know, I, I've seen parking attendants who are better leaders than Carson Wentz. I mean, <laughs> I mean we think about that. The, 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 the storyline with Carson Wentz going into the 2020 season is that twice teammates had complained about Carson Wentz being a poor, exclusionary, uh, aloof leader. You know, he was like the Chip Kelly of the quarterbacks. He didn't want to be bothered with you if you weren't in his Christian circle. He... We're losing him again. On Jeffrey. Yep. You blipped you on losing? us a little bit yeah. there, Marcus, but we got the gist of what you were saying, that he, uh, he didn't really respond well to any sort of a threat. Here's what I'm yeah. trying to... Uh, let's apply this to what we're seeing from Hurts. I'm going to tell you, Marcus, I'm listening to stuff he's saying at the Super Bowl. It seems more reflective, more open than I even saw in the two years he's been the Eagles coach. He seems like a great interview. He seems to be responding to the moment. What are you seeing? He's very comfortable here, and I understand why he was maybe less comfortable the first couple of years in Philadelphia coming off being benched at the national championship game, playing for a guy like Lou Saban who believes that everybody who's not in his quarterback room or meeting room is the enemy, going to Oklahoma to sort of prove himself 
and then spending a, a year or two sitting, learning, and kind of being humiliated, being being told that you're a gadget guy, being told that you're a career project, that sort of thing. But now that he's a little bit more accomplished and he understands that people sort aren't out to get him, I think he's got a little bit of a paranoia complex, he's enjoying himself more and a little bit more relaxed, and he really, really, really loves being respected by his teammates. And how, that's the beginning and end of him. How do you think he'll respond Sunday to the pressure of the Super Bowl? I, I don't know that this guy has a pulse. Hmm. He, I don't, <laughs> if he plays poorly... It won't because he be because he panics. It won't because be because he turtles up. None of it really affects him. He's really weird that way. I haven't been around a guy this young ever. I haven't been around a guy this young who un, who really believes that tomorrow will come, that the next play matters, that it doesn't. This isn't the be all and end all of who he is and what he will be. It's just really rare at the age of twenty four, and frankly, it's rare at the age of thirty four. So I don't know that he will shrink from this moment whatsoever, and I would bet right now, if I had to bet, that if he fails, it will be a mechanical failure. It will be a strategic failure from you know the greatest coach in history, Andy, you know Rick, Andy, Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo. Um, it'll be not Jalen Hurts choking. It'll be Jalen Hurts being beaten. All right, uh, who's going to win the game, Marcus? Uh, Thirty-five, twenty-eight Eagles. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a lot of points. But wow. Marcus Hayes has been doing this for years. He would know. Who would not know but Marcus? Marcus, is it fun in Arizona? It's a really good place to come to watch a Super Bowl. It's a good place to come to cover Super Bowl. It runs really well. You know, there are places that are kind of fun to be, like Miami or Tampa, that aren't great. San Diego's like this. And Vegas is going to be outstanding. Wow. You're a star. You've got a great story this week, Marcus. Congratulations at Dex. We'll talk to you soon.